So picture this. Early morning, fog is still lifting off the lake. The sun's kind of rising over kind of the right edge of Bald Mountain. It's chilly out. And as you paddle the canoe, uh, your hands become a little bit wet and numb. But it's okay because the beauty of the morning kind of trumps all that. And I paddle over to my favorite spot, drop an anchor. And the morning is quiet. Uh, and the hope is that some wildlife might show up to feed on the edge of uh, the, the lake in the in the morning and fish are rising so we take out the fly rod and um, try and tie like look at the water try and see what the bugs are that the fish might be into um, tie on the fly that looks the closest thing to the to what's happening in the in this little ecosystem and then begin casting and uh, I don't know if you fly fish, but when you cast a fly rod, it's this thing of like art and science together where I'm trying to get the line out further, but I want to do it efficiently. I don't want to just be waving this line around in the sky. I want to try and cast it out there in like three or four strokes and then get it to lay perfectly on the water so that as that line kind of uncurls, it rolls right out and the fly lands. Um, hopefully close to or in the middle of one of these rises that I just saw. And then you begin to strip the line in just, just gently um, in the hopes that I, I'm, I'm trying to mimic the thing that the bug is doing on the water so that this fish will rise up and hit it. And if that happens, my line goes tight. And it's a thing that you feel more than you see. Like, yes, I'm watching the line and I'm hoping to see this thing. But I've found over the years that my hands almost know it before my eyes see it. And I set the hook, which is this subtle thing where I just lift my right hand and pull a little bit of line down with my left. And, and then the rod does that thing that we all want to see where it bends right down. Uh, and I play the fish. And if all goes well, I'll bring it up next to the boat. I'll dip my hand in water. And I'll actually just kind of run my hand down the line, grab my hook, um, and not even touch the fish. Look at it for half a second and dump it off. And then that one goes away and I try it again. And it's this thing of, it fully captures my mind in that moment to figure out what the fish bite on, to figure out um, how to cast well, to get the line to lay the right way to try and get a fish to rise to it. For me, that is such a great um, escape or break from the normal day to day. Uh, I started fly fishing um, when I was young with my dad in Massachusetts on these stocked ponds. And I don't think I ever successfully caught a fish on a fly rod. I got strikes and stuff, but never really caught a fish and we would we would fish up in Maine on family vacations and stuff and still never caught a fish. And in the my early years with um, Christian camps, um, I was running an organization called Windfall Rafting. And the pace at that um, at the rafting company was very quick. Uh, busy days, a lot of um, activity, like getting the, the equipment and the people and the reservations and the guests and just... My day was like 
100 miles an hour from 5.30 in the morning till about 6 o'clock at night. And fly fishing became this thing that I would go and do um, either in the early morning on a day off or or in the evening as a, a break from my day where I could come down off of the pace that I was on and I could relax and just be fully occupied in that moment. Um, and it became this thing where I would think about my day and I could think creatively and I could reflect on um, my marriage and my kids and um, and disconnect from the busyness or the stress that I was feeling from my job and just enjoy that moment. Uh, and and it's, it's something I love and it's something that I do whenever I can uh, all summer long. Um, when we get up to camp in the, uh, mid-May and I start opening the property, um, I can't wait to get out on the lake and freeze my fingers off because uh, the ice is you know only gone out a week or two at a time um but those those moments fishing um have become really special to me and it's not just fishing by myself um but also fishing with others um the friends that i have in jackman um there's a guy up there his name is al and when al and i go fish together um, i always learn something from him and we, it's, he's the kind of friend where we can fish and we don't need to talk. Or we can talk about whatever is going on in his life or in my life or camp. And it's a great time. So fishing for me has become this thing where it's something I can go and do by myself. It's something I can go and experience God's beauty and the creation around me. And I can do it with others. And um, when I do it with others, like sometimes that can be the like some of the best ministry that I personally get to do um, at MRO and I'm thankful for all that technically it's three camps we have three different encampments Camp Brookwoods Brookwoods Camp Deer Run Camp Deer Run River Outpost three camps Moreau and Brookwoods Deer Run River Outpost the Three Camps Podcast with your hosts, John Cooper and Seth Coates. Three Camps. Hello, and welcome to the fourth episode of the Three Camps Podcast. I'm John Cooper. With me, as always, Seth Coates. Howdy. And Seth, we have Ben Tabone, Brookwood's director, in studio with us. How are you, Ben? I'm doing pretty well today. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me on the show. <laughs> so my name is Ben Tabone. I serve as the uh, Brookwoods director. I've been here since uh, May of 2018. So this would make four summers. This upcoming summer would make four summers. So when I was younger, I was always a bottom bunk because I would sleepwalk. And if the bunks did not have rails or like, you know, enclosements, uh, I, you know, I had to be on the bottom. Uh, Growing up, I shared bunk beds with my brothers and uh, my two brothers. One was in a twin bed. I was on the bottom bunk. Um, but yeah, because I would sleepwalk. And then when I was older at camp, I would take the top bunk because I like being on the top. We have another person who was a sleepwalker, Dorothy 
Legros. Oh yeah. But uh, we forgot to mention all of our beds have bed rails. True. That's an important thing for people to know. So we we, we take care of that in case everyone was ever worried about. Ben, uh, what have you been up to this week? Uh, this week uh, we had some snow, so doing a little bit of snow removal. Um, always have to get the snow right off the ice rink uh, before it melts that top layer. So a little bit of snow blowing, shoveling, and uh, this time of the year, I find myself uh, texting a lot of guys uh, to get in their references for their applications for being on staff. Wait, what? Um, also following up with their references and uh, any other random projects that come my way. Well, we're eight minutes in. We feel like now's probably a good enough time as any to introduce the podcast. Today we're doing stories on fishing. Uh, this is something that we found interesting, not just because fishing can be fun for some of us. We understand it's not fun for everyone. Fishing ends up being a unique way to connect with, well, we're saying connect with three different things. Connect with nature, connect with our creator through nature, connect with others, and then there's a connecting kind of on your own, connecting with oneself. Uh, also, there's some fun stories that come out of fishing, which is another reason why we chose it. My challenge to you is if you are not very much into fishing, stick around. I think there's some things here that are funny and compelling uh, for just about anyone who cares about camp and enjoys camp. We're glad you're with us. We're doing an episode that we call Go Fish. Episode four, baby. Let's get into it. Um, ben, we are going to do an episode on fishing. Uh, in this case, we're looking at fishing from a number of different angles, but I'm not sure everyone knows you were kind of heading up a bunch of YouTube videos that went up uh, pre summer last year. And one of them was when coach came up, you guys went out on the lake and did a little uh, troll trolling since being at camp. Uh, oh. I've always wanted to get out and fish with coach and it's, it's like never happened. And so, you know, it was the perfect opportunity. Springtime, nobody's here. He was up doing some work on the, the lake cottage. And I was just like, hey, in the next week that you're here, I want to shoot a video of you on the lake fishing. Yeah. It'd be great if you caught something, but that's not a prerequisite. You know, let's just get out there. So honestly, it's the first and only time I've ever been on the water with Coach. And uh, he caught a pretty remarkable fish. It was pretty fun. I mean, it seemed like he was in his element, which is always good. And uh, it's good because he was doing some talking about the lake and talking about, you know, how he likes to approach fishing with campers. So it was a, it was a good content video. But then, yeah, he nailed a fish. And uh, I mean, he's now it's legendary video because we're all the time quoting him. I mean, at one point he's like, he's fighting me, Ben. He's fighting me, Ben. And then he's like, get that net, Ben. Get that net, Ben. And, you know, <laughs> so we always use those lines. Uh and then, uh, yeah, he thought it was a salmon, right? But it turns out it ended up being a pretty good rainbow. Yeah, rainbow trout. I think we were both a little surprised. Uh, you know, had I prepared a little bit better in retrospect, I wish I had a, a second camera GoPro because I was in the midst of trying to net the fish, uh, which I, I didn't really realize I was going to be doing that. I was, Get that net, Ben. I was trying oh, to, you missed it, Ben. Oh, you missed it, Ben. Yes. Stabilize yeah. the, the DSLR from falling into the lake. Right. While trying to maintain the video and also hold the net. And uh, so what's I think the, the best part about it is the audio. You know, you kind of miss a little bit of the him fighting the fish, but yeah. the audio is the best part. And 
I'm just happy the the the, the camera and the tripod just didn't fall over the boat. As are <laughs> we. Yeah, that's good. Uh, yeah, it, how how big was it? It was five pound fish at least. I think. I could be telling tales here. This is a classic fish story. A 17-pound rainbow, I think. Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to remember. I think it was like a at least a 14-inch. So probably like a two, two-and-a-half pound. Oh, man, maybe. On a rainbow? Okay. Yeah. A three-pound rainbow would be Sorry. awesome. Five's huge. Yeah, there's no like way. Five yeah. would be yeah. pull it up. Yeah, there's no way. Yeah, so well done getting the net and getting the fish and filming and getting audio, Ben. I'm impressed because that's a lot. What's interesting is we went around the whole cove. You know, Coach is good on history of the the cove and the lake and just like knowing different buildings, different points. You know, I've heard a lot of terminology in that trip that I'd never heard before. Uh, so definitely, he's definitely the fishing guide out there. Yeah, there may or may not be a map of the lake, which may or may not be handwritten by Coach. He oh, has I have a copy. I may, I may have a copy, but <laughs> for those of you who are listening, it's Seth and I, if you can find us on email, $400, we'll get you a copy of this map. It's not a um, I've never seen this map. Ooh, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's treasure. I mean, he's got however many years on the lake. The guy knows what he's doing. So yeah. I have like, I probably shot almost like an hour or two of video, just like looping around. And uh, we really only used, you know, 15 minutes of. 15 minutes of footage, yeah. uh, but a lot of stories about, you know, other people that he's taken out on the lake. Woo! That a boy. Good stuff there, young man. Well, boys, we're eating trout tonight. Our first story comes from Coach Crowers about a famous fish here at Brookwoods and Deer Run. Uh, we should tell you, we got Coach in early on in our process, and unfortunately, it was a conversation by phone, and the cell reception wasn't perfect throughout. So you should just be aware, some of this is a little bit garbled, and we've tried to uh, add some clarity as we go along. Now, without further ado, we bring you the Mariano Rivera of Brookwoods, number 42 in your programs, but number one in our hearts, the one and only Coach Crowers. The most famous one was the time that that fish over the coffee machine got caught. It was caught by uh, Liz Pruitt. And uh, Liz was on tripping staff at the time. And uh, you know Liz? Yeah, yeah, we're good friends. All right, so Liz Pruitt, total rock star. Everyone at camp loves her. And I believe she was on staff for a couple years. She told Professor... Mark Horn and myself, even before camp started, that she wanted to go fishing with us. So we said, okay, well, we're going out tomorrow morning and uh, meet us down at the boathouse at 6.30. So Mark and I were down there at the boathouse at 6.30. And it was raining a little bit, but nothing too serious, but no this. So we saw it at lunch, and we said, well, the fishing was good. Where were you? Well, it was raining. I go, oh, oh, okay, well, sorry, you missed a good trip. And uh, so she comes back a few weeks later and says, well, I still want to go fishing. So, All right, so as the story goes, there were a couple more times where Liz and Coach and Mark had talked about going fishing. And through a series of events, things got a little miscommunicated, and there wasn't 
uh, a time for them to connect. And in this case, um, they finally decided, okay, we're going to do this. We're going to go fishing. And Liz says she's going to bring her friends, uh, Sophie and Price, on the uh, fishing excursion. So then there was the moment where Coach says, okay, meet me down. You know, we're going to go tomorrow at 630. And they had another slight miscommunication where Liz and her friends thought they were going to meet at the coffee machine. And then Liz realizes, okay, we actually should have met down at the dock. So they end up making a run for it to try and catch Coach and Mark Horn. Back up to camp and up the hill, and here comes Liz and Sophie and Price running. And so we took the boat over there and we hopped in. And I, I said, Well, where were you? And she goes, I thought we were meeting by the coffee machine to have coffee before we went fishing. <laughs> so, anyhow, we take the boat out, and uh, I had rods ready for, for the two girls, and I, I gave Liz the. Uh, the Barbie rod, the pink rod, because I thought she deserved it at that point. And uh, so we went over and fished over there by Mitt Romney's place. And uh, we weren't getting any fish because it was late in July by this time. And uh, all of a sudden, she hooks into one. Price looked over and goes, Coach, this was big. So he starts coaching her, telling her not to horse it, this and that, so on and so forth. Finally, Price met the thing, and it was a big, large mouth. It was over five pounds. It's for like when Pisaki is a big fish. And as soon as we get in the boat, she goes, I'm getting the mounted. She goes, I'll just talk to Bob and tell him we're going to mount it. I said, okay, good luck with that one, Liz. All right, so before they end up getting back, Coach does bag himself a four-inch rock bass, and Liz uh, suggests that they take a picture, her with her five-pounder, and Coach with this four-inch rock bass which I think turned out to be a viral photo at some point. Uh, and then she does. She goes back to camp. She gets Bob, Executive Director Bob Strodel, to uh, agree to get this thing mounted. And Bob relented, and that fish is now over the coffee machine right now. It's, uh, it's the biggest bass ever caught it. Lake Winnipesaukee, at least by any of the folks involved with camp. That's how it got there. Dang. Wow. Biggest bass caught by any of the staff from camp or campers? That's the biggest bass ever caught by by staff or campers. I mean, you know, we've had a lot of kids and staff members catch you know, two and three pound uh, smallmouth. Yeah, Coach, I think anyone who's been through the dining hall is going to know about that fish. I mean, oh yeah, cause it's, it's right there, right over the coffee machine, and that's that's definitely the biggest one that was, that was ever caught. All right, so certainly as it goes with fish stories, this would be a tough thing for us to fact check going back however many years. But if ever there was somebody who would have known, I'm going to go ahead and say it'd be Coach. So for as best we can say, he's right on. Well, that was the only one she ever caught with me. And for it to be that size was was quite the accomplishment. Not only that, on the way back in, she looks at me, she goes, I know you gave me that Barbie rod intention. <laughs> <laughs> and I looked at her and I go, well, this truth is, I did give you the Barbie rod intention, <laughs> Uh, maybe we should all use the Barbie rod. That's that's a score win for the Barbie rod. That's a pretty good fish. Well, the funny thing is we still have those two pink rods in there, and uh, they're always popular. And then, of course, I always tell them, I say, well, I'm not sure what your rod exactly is. I always tell the kid, I say, well, this rod did get the biggest fish ever. There you go. Yeah, that's, that's good. Great. We've had some fun stories here. It was fun hearing Ben and Coach. 
when I think about fishing, Seth, I think about the guys on ESPN, you know, anglers who are out there doing it. I wouldn't necessarily think kids at camp just immediately translates to fishing. I like to fish, but I wouldn't necessarily think that was going to just be this easy, low-hanging fruit uh, for a camp activity. So I'm asking you, director of MRO, why fishing? Yeah, I think it's a good question. When I, I get to teach fishing a couple of times a session at MRO. Um, and when I show up, I take attendance, I do all the things, right? And then my first kind of question to the crowd, it's usually somewhere between four to six kids in my class. And I'll say, hey, who's working on awards? Like they're working their way through these, these things that we have at camp. Mm. Uh, or uh, who wants to just go fishing? And almost always the whole crowd will look at me and go, we want to go fishing. Mm. And I was like, great, grab a pole. And we go out on the lake and we fish. And it is, is rare for me as a director that I get these opportunities um, to just spend time with kids where there's no other agenda, right? Um, and I love it because uh, we fish and, and the conversation kind of gravitates towards life eventually or just pop culture. And we get to interact in a very non-threatening, natural way about whatever they feel like talking about and yeah i think you're right like i don't look at this crowd usually and and say oh these are fishermen or fisherwomen like these these kids are really into this thing um they're into it but i don't think it's the fishing so much um similarly like i have staff guys all the time that will ask me like hey will you teach me to fly fish that's um, a common thing for me and I, I'll carve out, I'll find 45 minutes to an hour in my schedule and I'll say, okay, we can go on this day and, and at this time. And, and we go out and I teach them a few things about fly fishing. I usually try and get them to catch maybe their first fish on the fly rod. And these things are really cool. Um, but for me, what I think in my head is, um, I think the fishing is a draw on some level, but part of me thinks what they're asking is, can I spend time with you? Mm. And I'm down with that. That's fishing is a great medium um, to be doing something together, um, as opposed to like sipping coffee, sitting across from each other, staring into each other's eyes. Uh, <laughs> so we can go out on the lake and we can do this thing together, um, and we end up talking about life and where they're headed and what they think about um, their career path and God's will for their life. And they ask some pretty heavy questions, um, and we get to talk about that. And it's not, it just feels natural. Yeah, you would. You don't necessarily peg people as like, these people fish, but they're out there fishing. And I think part of the draw is the activity, but I think the other draw is the people they're spending it with. Seth, to finish out this, we have one of your camp staff members, Kate Williams, coming on to tell a story that I love. But before she does, you and I were talking off mic about the setup to this, which is pretty comical in its own right. Uh, give us the scene. What was happening on this day? Totally. So this night is one of my favorite fishing memories, maybe of my whole life. Um, and, and Kate will give you the, the finish, but I'll give you a little bit about what happened before. Um, so the dead river is one of my favorite places to fish. Um, there's this big falls, uh, river wide. They're 35 feet high. It's called Grand Falls. Um, and then below that is this great stretch of water that we fish. And 
um, it's always, there's this Labor Day release that happens. Anyways, the fishing is really good a couple days after Labor Day. Mm. And we had planned that summer to like go up there and fish that. Um, myself, a guy named Evan, who we've heard from before on this podcast, Kate, and then a guy that we called Jammer. And shout out to Jammer guys a nut (laughs) (laughs) Um, all of us love fly fishing and i think that season evan had learned to fly fish uh jammer had been fishing for a few years and kate had probably been fishing since she could walk um so we all go up there and um we get to the river and we're getting out there and we're fishing this this piece of water um and I'm catching a few small fish and Kate's catching a few small fish and I don't think Evan's catching anything. And I'm pretty sure Jammer's not catching anything at this point. Um, and our, our plan had been to like fish for a few hours and then we were going to circle up around a campfire and cook, um, some fish that Evan's dad had actually caught in Alaska and shipped to him, uh, at this little, there's a campsite there. Um, so we're, we're fishing. Now would you have caught, you would have caught, cooked what you caught as well have there been anything uh we mostly catch and release up there Mm -hmm. um but we should tell me where is the dead river in relationship to mro okay so if you go south from mro a solid 35 minutes Mm -hmm. and then you turn right on this road it's a dirt road uh called the lower enchanted road which we actually refer to as the not so enchanted road (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah and you drive this thing for 16 miles and uh, the first few times I went in there looking for this place, I got so lost um, that I just turned around and left. Oh, man. Um, anyways, it's way back in there, uh, kind of south and west of um, camp. And the Dead River flows down and connects with the Kennebec River in the town of the Forks. Oh, okay. Um, mm-hmm. So that's how that town got that name. Um, so we're out there, and we, uh, we head towards the – we fish for a couple hours. We head towards the campfire, and Jammer – is still trying to catch a fish. Now we're all a highly competitive bunch of people. And uh, in the fishing world anyways, there's a little bit of bragging rights to a couple of things. One, who catches the most fish. Sure. And then two, who catches the biggest fish. Right. Um, so we head towards the campfire, but Jammer's still out there trying to connect with one. And uh, and as we're getting the fire going, you can see we can see kind of through the trees out like he's probably 300 yards away and you can see him on the far shore of the river just casting this like angry. (laughs) You can just tell from that far away from his body language that he is upset that he has not caught a fish yet. Yes. Um, So as we're building this fire, Evan and Kate and I, we decide let's tell Jammer a lie when he gets here. Let's. Let's, which we, we don't condone, which on the we podcast. no. but this is a great like short con. Um, there you go. So we decide like Evan will be the hero of this story because um, it'll be so outrageous that it might be believable. So we're going to tell him that when he gets here, um, that Evan was untangling his line, which would be a common thing for a new fly fisherman. He's untangling his line and his fly is laying on the water Um around his legs and a salmon which is what we all want to catch when we're up there flies up slams this thing and he catches this great fish um so this is we concoct this thing and and eventually jammer shows up um and he's uh he's just gotten to the fire and he obligatorily asks how everybody did 
Um, though he doesn't really want to know. <laughs> and and Evan just launches right into this great story that yeah. he we've we've drawn up. So um he drops on Jammer that he's caught this this big fish and Jammer just kind of looks at him. You can just tell like he's even more mad at this point. <laughs> and he looks at him and he goes, I'm so happy for you. <laughs> <laughs> and then he storms off into the into the woods and he's like just he's gone at that point. Oh, no. And we're dying yeah. uh, because he's bought this thing hook, line and sinker pun intended mm-hmm. um and a few minutes later he comes back um and we tell him like we let him down soft like yeah evan didn't actually catch a fish which i think actually fueled his anger even oh, more. No. <laughs> <laughs> while all this is going on uh we're cooking the fish and uh ahead of time uh evan and kate had asked if we needed to bring like a grill to put things on the fire and i was like no no no. this campsite has one i'm sure of it um so we didn't bring one right pretty dumb no uh, so we get there and of course there's no grill um mm. so i take some like fresh green boughs and i weave together a grill which we set up over this fire strong right and we're cooking this fish in like tin foil uh, and butter and laid on this grill and it's like a hundred percent awesome until the moment that it's not oh, no no right before the fish is done we're literally talking about when we should take them off the fire the the one of the boughs like has burned through yeah. and the whole thing falls no, no. into the fire i'm talking like two huge fillets of halibut and two huge oh. fillets of alaskan salmon falls into this fire and like I'm losing my mind, literally, like screaming, and Evan oh. is screaming, and Jammer is like so internally frustrated he can't get any noise out. <laughs> and Kate happens to like get either a picture or a short video of this on her phone at this exact moment, Scram. and we're all just losing our minds for yeah. about thirty seconds. And then we go into like rapid fire, like we're getting sticks and we're pu- pulling stuff out of the fire yeah. and like. And we managed to salvage almost all of the fish. Really? Yeah. Oh. And it As was, the food guy, I'm so happy to hear you say that. I know, right? <laughs> um, and it was an amazing meal um, right after an amazing lie. And <laughs> uh, and then it, and then Kate will tell you how the, the night finished up. Yeah, I think everybody was feeling pretty defeated at that point. Like, hadn't caught much and, uh, and not really knowing, like, if it was worth it to stay out there or just call it a day and head back. Um, and definitely hoping like for a, a lower hatch light. too, right? Yeah, like we had we, we had been taught looking it. all day. Yeah, and nothing had been like sticking out. Like this is the fly. Like we didn't know. Yeah. We we're just trying stuff. That voice you hear is the voice of Kate Williams. I'm Kate Williams. I worked two summers at MRO, and I was a trip staff. I when I was a camper all growing up, I was always a top bunk kid. I always wanted to be able to. Uh, completely observe the situation, watch everybody and kind of stay out of the way, but also just like, it just, it just felt like I could, you know, see everything. But then as I got older, I uh, definitely got lazier. And once I started working at camps and was just like constantly doing stuff, especially at MRO, I was like, I I don't have the energy for a top bunk. Um, So I definitely stuck to the bottom bunk after that. (laughs) Yeah. Being in the crow's nest, it takes a commitment, you know, sometimes you'd rather just be on the deck. That's true. (laughs) <laughs> let's, let's say that's true. I don't know. I have no idea. 
As undoubtedly anyone who knows Kate will tell you, she is basically a professional at fly fishing. She would never say it, but she's been fishing her whole life. She's taught fishing. She's worked in fish shops that specialize in fly fishing. You'll hear in this story, she knows what's up. Maybe 5% of what you hear will be lost on you, as it was lost on me. But we had a chance to hear Seth and Kate nerd out on fly fishing, and we decided to leave it in. What's also true of Kate is that she is a musician and has been living in Nashville for quite some time working on her craft up until just recently when she made the decision to head to Pennsylvania during COVID. All that to say, it is my understanding that Kate is well known in the world of MRO and we are very happy to have her. We tried we tried everything in our boxes at that point, like top water, it's just crazy. Yeah, and then uh, and then all of a sudden we're like, looking over and under the trees you start seeing like some fly action you start seeing some um some you know up and down dropping um flies and so everybody gets super excited and we start um looking around like oh we should find better water so we start we started almost running upstream because we were losing light so we're like we're, we're bolting through these trails everybody's like clunking through with their heavy boots um all right so here's finally... a, here's a newbie question for you guys because i hear people say <laughs> You know, fish are rising. Right. Is that just you see them taking bugs? Is that what's happening? They're kind of going up and down looking for food? Yeah. So um, fish are, like, feeding all the time. Um, but you can you can catch them on the top. You can catch them kind of in the middle on streamers. Or you can catch them on the bottom on nymphs. And so when fish are rising, typically you're talking about, you know, that there's a top water. There's, a, like, a hatch that's going. And so they're landing on the water. And fish are coming up and you see, you know, see rises. I see. Great. And it's, it's the, like, if you've watched the river runs through it movie, right? Uh, those guys in it, um, they talk about, uh, fly fishing and they talk about the like dry fly fishermen. And it's, yes. I, I think Kate, you can correct me if I'm wrong. I think <laughs> it's because there's something that's so awesome about laying a fly out and you can see your own fly sitting on the surface of the water and a fish coming up and nailing it. And then you catch that fish. That's nothing more fun. Right? That's why I think fly fishing is so much more popular than bait fishing because you're not just, you know, reeling something back. It's just, it's very interactive. Um, and there's mm. nothing. I would take a, like a dry fly uh, catch any day over anything else. Agreed. Mm. You've Now, did you see a hatch? Is that what happens? Yeah. So we started seeing some flies. So what will happen is with a hatch, you'll see him probably under the trees, under the limbs right along the river first before you see him out over the water. Um, and so we were kind of looking and we saw that and we um, we immediately started heading upstream. Um, and, and we, we knew were we far. were hoping that it would be the parachute atoms, right? Because exactly. Because that's like well, the dry fly we want. I wanted to fish. That's what I, I was didn't have for. any other dry flies in my box, so I was pretty, <laughs> <laughs> I was pretty and, good, hoping for that. And from what you saw under the tree, you were like, "Yeah, I think the atoms will work." Yeah, it, it it was the same color. I don't know if it was the same fly, but the pattern would definitely. It's a it's a pretty standard pattern. It can cover a bunch of different types. So yeah, so. So we uh, we all kind of we got up to this bridge, and once we crossed the bridge, everybody kind of spread out from there. There was big water below, um, and I think the three of you went down below the bridge, and I went up above the bridge, uh, just looking for smaller water because uh, I didn't think I would get any dry fly action in the bigger water necessarily. So I found this island, um, and it, so I was on the I was on the small water side of this island, and it's this little like boulder garden that cuts down through. Um, and right at the top of it is like kind of a, like a slower water pool. 
Um, and across the bank, there's just like some grass kind of hanging down in this like slow water right before this huge run. And I'm looking, I'm looking, I was like, this looks like really good water. And I'm like looking through my box, like trying to find a good parachute Adams because they're starting to drop. And all of a sudden I see this little sip on the other side of the bank and it's like right under the grass. And so that's when you know, he's like, oh, this is the fish. Um, and usually like big fish sip, um, they don't, you know, splash out of the water as much. Um, and so I, uh, I'm trying to get like a, like a drag free drift going on. And I am just struggling. There's like really fast water right in the middle. And so I can't get my fly to, to float over the fish without, you know, dragging fast downstream. Um, and finally, I feel it just as I'm, uh, just as I'm casting out, you know, like, you know, as soon as you let go of that cast, that it's the one. Um, and it like, it landed perfectly and I did my mend and everything was set and it's drifting over the fish and then it just sips and it just, the fly just disappears. And I set the hook and, uh, it was just, it was a good fight. Cause he went down, he went downstream in this boulder garden in the really fast water. And I was like, oh, I'm going to lose it. Cause I had really fine tippet on cause we had been nymphing all day. So I was like on, I think it was like 5X. So I had, I had, I should have changed it, but we were losing light at that point. Um, and the sun's going down and it's starting to get really like dusky. And so I work him to the bank and it's just, oh, such a beautiful fish. I think he was like 20 inches. It was, it was a good time. That was like everything, like the stars aligned for like a really bad day. And it was a great way to end the day. Yeah, that's great. There's a lot there I don't understand, but uh, you know, it's, it's good. <laughs> Fly fishing is like a, a different language. I know I'm sitting there going, yeah, you were nymphing and you should have changed out the 5X. There's no question about it. But uh, yeah. <laughs> is it only salmon that day? Is that what you guys were catching or looking for? Uh, that river has salmons and, and brookies in them. And I caught all salmon that day and nothing as big as mm-hmm. what she just described um, at all. Um, <laughs> and I don't believe Jammer caught a thing. I don't mm. think he caught a thing. And I don't think Evan <laughs> caught a thing. So Kate showed us all up. For the win. As you <laughs> Kate, for the win. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> it was a quiet car ride going back to camp. <laughs> so, Kate, while we have you, let me ask you a question that I put to Seth earlier, which is, like, why fishing? And Seth's answer was interesting, as fishing is kind of a unique way to have a door into ministry and connection. And I'm wondering, do you have any examples of that where you were able to kind of connect with people in a way that maybe was surprising or just outside of the normal conventions of ministry? Yeah. So um, um, there were a couple girls that I really connected with on my trips and on my day trips and interacted with them more than I thought I would on camp. Um, and they both came to me one like evening and they're like, our counselor said it's okay. Can we go out with you the next morning? And I told them, all right, all right, but you have to like be there at this time. And you know, we're going to go out and this is how it's going to go. Um, and I was like, they're not going to come. They're going to sleep in. And they both <laughs> showed up and it was like the perfect morning. It was uh, like really misty and the sun was just coming up over the water. And it was just like, everything about it was pristine and beautiful. And like, it's so still, it's like, like glass in the morning. And so like, I'm like, all right, let's get this canoe out. So they're like helping me haul it. And it's like, camp is dead quiet. And then we get out on the water and we're just like paddling. And there's something so magical about just like a really quiet paddle in like a still pond. Um, And so all of that was just really great. And they were so excited. This was like something that they were so determined to do. Um, And so honestly, we just started fishing down the bank and ended up, they were friends from home. And so the conversation just flowed really easily and we were just, 
talking about all sorts of stuff but it was just it was like it was magical it was like a really magical morning and everybody just loved it and they came back from that and they're like we're doing this every morning and it was just <laughs> and so it ended up kind of surprisingly being a really cool way to just like get kids to interact with nature do something they've never done before and also like they're doing something with their hands and they're kind of fixated on it. And so they don't have to think about it like a like one on one interview. And it just becomes a really organic conversation piece. And you end up talking like a lot about life and, you know, like things that they're processing. And it's just a great opportunity to do something really fun, uh, do something in nature that you've never done before. And also like <laughs> have really meaningful conversations. Um, mm. So I definitely I wasn't expecting that to work out the way it did but i ended up doing that both summers that i was up at camp a lot so on this our fourth episode we're going to wrap things up a little differently i'm going to uh, do a couple things here and then we're going to have seth take us out with another short story and then a bit of music as performed by Kate Williams. Here's what you need to know about Kate. She spells her name C-A-I-T, which is important if you search for her. She has a four-song EP coming out uh, very shortly from now. And in this song that we're going to play out on, it's a cover where she plays all the instruments and does all the vocal work. And so we say a big thank you to Kate Williams, Coach Crowers, and Ben DeBone for coming on the show today. Now, what I'm about to say may sound a little weird or strange or out of place in this moment, but hopefully it'll make sense shortly. Imagine with me something in your life that you care for so much and that you pour so much of yourself into. And then imagine that thing being taken away for whatever reason. Well, just about everyone could be able to presuppose that and put themselves in a position to imagine that I don't know just take it from me small businessmen and women and entrepreneurs have a very keen sense of what that's like for sure a level of commitment and devotion certainly can go outside of that profession or that group of people but there's something about pouring yourself into a project into a business into an organization whether it be for-profit or non-profit and then if and when the time comes where you have to close the book on that venture, honestly, it's gut-wrenching. Now, there's a passage in 2 Corinthians in chapter 12 that talks about God giving us grace, sufficient grace, and that uh, his power is made perfect in our weakness. And Paul says that he's content to suffer all kinds of things uh, for the sake of Christ. And those are the kind of things that you hang on to in these tough moments. Anyway, I say a lot to say that we're going to hear a bit of story from Seth that is kind of a beautiful moment where God's grace shines through. And so uh, I will leave you with this. The Three Camps podcast has been produced by Seth Coates and myself. Thank you for listening in on our fourth episode. We've been getting some voicemails and we thank you for it. Feel free to reach out at 978-308-2679 or hit us up any way you choose. Thanks again and so long. So one of my favorite 
nights on Heald Pond fly fishing. Um, it happened in the summer of 2015, and I'll give just a little backstory here. In the winter, um, December of 2014, we closed windfall rafting, and um, and then I became the George Bowling of Moose River Outpost. I was conference director and uh, tripping director and an associate director for summer camp. Um, and um, it was a hard, hard season in my life. And I had this job that I loved incredibly um, for five years and then it went away. And, and I didn't really know kind of what to do with that. And Connor um, was a young man who had worked for me at Windfall, and he came to work for me um, in the tripping program at Moose River Outpost. And he came early in the summer, and we were doing like pre-camp stuff. Um, and we would fish. Connor's a pretty good fisherman. Um, and he hadn't spent a lot of time fishing on flat water, so he's fished a lot on rivers. Um, but this night um, sets up with, I had been down in New Hampshire um, to do a few things with my family and then I had road tripped back up. And I believe it was June 9th, but I got to camp in time for there to be like an hour left of light in the day. And I grabbed Connor, I said, Connor, let's go fish. Um, so we both race over to my house, grab the canoe, flip it over, throw the rods in pull out onto the water and the fish are rising everywhere. It's one of those nights that you kind of live for as a fly fisherman. Um, and we look at the water and it's the mayfly hatch, which if you fly fish, the mayflies are so important to um, to fish and just the overall health of, of the fish in the lake. Um, it's the brown mayfly hatch, and I happen to have a brown mayfly in my box. So I tie that on, and Connor pulls out a black mayfly, and he ties that one on. And we're just just off the water in front of the house that I live at, um, up on the property. And while we're tying this on and getting our rods ready, this moose walks out of the woods. And he walks over to uh, kind of the... I don't know, like the downstairs of our house, and he, he stares at himself in the in the glass doors, like there's a moose there, but I don't know what he's doing. And um, we watch this moose for about 15, 20 minutes as we begin casting, and um, we start catching fish. And my my mayfly is an exact match of what's happening on the water, and I'm getting a fish every time I cast. We see a rise, I cast to it. I catch a fish, dump it off, see another rise, cast to it, catch a fish, dump it off. And so Connor's fly is not working quite as well as mine. So we decided, let's do this. One guy will paddle to the rises as we kind of work our way over towards one of my favorite spot. And the other guy will cast. And after a couple minutes, we'll just switch. And the other guy will paddle. And the other guy will use my rod and this magic fly that's hitting so well tonight. And literally every cast all night long is a fish. We see a rise, we cast to it, catch a fish. And as we're working our way towards my, my favorite spot, a deer pops out of the woods and feeds down to the lake. We're kind of right where we're headed to. So we watch this deer for a few minutes as we're casting and, and fishing. And um, then the deer feeds out. 
as we're getting over close to to the spot that we're headed to a bald eagle flies overhead and uh the sunlight like is just fading in the night and uh the horizon lights up and it's one of those like rainbow skies in the in the clouds perfect night neither one of us had a camera but if we had we would have taken a picture um and this bald eagle flies kind of right through that sunset picture and then just as the color is fading out of the sky and um and the light begins to fade the coyotes fire up and up at mro things are so quiet and we have no neighbors and we don't share with anybody And this time of year it's before the whole staff has shown up we have no guests on property it's just a handful of staff and the coyotes start cracking off and taking roll call and you can hear some kind of over to our left and then you can hear more over to the right and they're calling to each other and and the sun set and we put the rod down and we just kind of looked at each other and said that was the that was just the most awesome night of fishing plus it was just like everything that we love about maine we saw a moose we saw a deer we saw a bald eagle we heard the coyotes I, I've never had another night on the pond like that, or that was so good. And uh, to bring it back around to where I started, um, to share that with Connor and to have a night that was that special, in a season of my life where so much was lost. Will be a memory that I cherish for a very, very long time. Remember those walls I built. Tumbling down, didn't even put up a fight. It didn't even make a sound. I found a way to let you in, but I never really had a doubt. Standing in the light of your halo, I got my angel now. It's like I've been
darkest night.